Hello and welcome back to the Shore Sports Network football podcast. Entering week eight of the Shore Conference football season, Bob Batters along with Scott Stump for another week talking Shore Conference football. And we are really now in the end of the uh, the end game of the 2023 season. We've been talking about it for a while that it, it, we can't believe it's this late in the season. Well, now it really is. The playoffs are pretty much here. You know, we have one full week of the regular season left. We'll have, we had one division title clinched last week. Five more will be decided in some capacity this week. And then it's on to the postseason. So a lot, a lot to talk about here as I bring in my buddy Scott Stump. A, uh, a kind of a, a quiet week. Uh, certainly some important games, but nothing like uh, what we've seen the past weeks and really nothing we're going to see in week eight just in terms of tangible championships being won. Yeah, there were no shocking upsets or anything like that. There were some really good wins by uh, a few teams and a lot of just jockeying for playoff position and, you know, maybe trying to get a home game or just trying to get into the field itself, get into that top 16 in their region. Uh, yeah, this is a much bigger week as far as we have a bunch of teams that have already clinched at least a share of a division title, but they have to get this last win this weekend to get it all to themselves or some other teams can sneak in there and get their piece. We also have a monster American division game that we've been waiting over a year for. This was one of those circled in the preseason games with Tom's river North and RBC. And we'll get to that later, that North big return for them this past weekend, the state player of the year, Michael Ford back in the lineup for the first time after missing multiple games uh, with an injury. But yeah, I mean, I really thought this was just going to be like a two-hour Jets podcast, but I guess we could just talk about the, uh, you know. I was thinking pump. about just pumping in the J-E-T-S Jet chant to start, but alas. Uh, but no, this, is that, uh, this is that great time of year. I mean, it's now or never, right? I mean, you're either in or you're out. There's all there's still the crossover tournament and all that stuff for the teams that come up short of the playoffs. But outside of the teams that are playing on Thanksgiving, this is it. This is the regular season finale except for the non-publics, the big Donovan Catholic RBC game the following week. But for a majority of the Shore Conference, this is the regular season finale. Yeah, it's uh, – if you said it's crunch time, it's, you know, win this game to win a division title or win it to get into the playoffs or improve your, you know, season rankings. Or for a couple teams, you're going to have both win a division title and remain undefeated. So certainly a lot on the line. For a bunch of teams we'll we'll start our week seven recap uh up at borden stadium a game i was at friday night and that was rumson fairhaven ranked eighth at the time snaps a four-game losing streak and beats uh number four then number four marlboro 24 to three hands marlboro its first loss of the season and it was uh i wrote in our uh shore 16 uh that was posted early on tuesday it was the undertaker moment for yes. rumson just Sitting off the canvas up. And uh, just really a well-played all-around game, especially defensively. They held Marble to 105 yards of offense. Uh, a bunch of different players get into the act. Jake Tobias, uh, junior defensive back, four tackles for a loss. So just that stat alone and just watching the game showed me, you know, they're, they were going to crowd the line, stop that run, make Marlboro beat him through the air. It's exactly what they did. They held Marlboro to 49 yards rushing. Mustangs were never really able to get anything going. And Robinson gets really a much-needed win. You know, they were – Still, were they were comfortably in the you know one of the top two spots in United Power Ranking, even if they finished one point, but it was going to jump them because of the head-to-head win. But the playoffs were not in question. This was more about Rumson starting to get back to that winning feeling. And look, you're going to be in the playoffs, but two and four is still two and four, no matter who you're playing. 
you want to feel better about that. So good win for Rumson to get back on track. It also just showed the power of the American division, right? That like Rumson's kind of in the middle of that division standings wise, and they beat a division champion by three touchdowns that was undefeated, uh, which really just shows how hard Rumson's schedule is, you know, that you could say, Oh, look at this team. They're two and four or whatever. And they're, they're still that dangerous. But reading the comments from their head coach, Jeremy Schulte, in your story, you know, he made it clear the reg- we're not out to hang regular season banners. You know, we're not into all that. You know, we want to get to four and four, be feeling good going into the postseason and then make a run at that group two title. Caldwell still hasn't lost that that winning streak, I believe, is like 35 or 36. The team that beat Rumson in the group two finals last year. So they certainly want to get all the way to the finish line and maybe see them again. Uh, but you're right. I think that was just more of a confidence thing. All right. You know, we got our feet back underneath us. We stopped a really good team and we scored on a defense that nobody had really been scoring mm-hmm. on all year. And they scored in ways where Marlboro typically doesn't give up touchdowns. You know, Kellen Murray, their, their outstanding sophomore running back, got to the edge and broke off a long touchdown run. And Marlboro usually, they, they're really good. You know, Jeremy Schultz even said that, like, they're really good at, at you know, running side to side and, and stopping those plays and their secondary is really good. And, and Jordan Angstreich, who really stepped up Rumson had, you know, uh, their top receiver, Nick Rigby still out of the lineup. Sean Trinder has been out since the, uh, the first game against Middletown South. He stepped up, had a big game, made a nice touchdown catch. So yes, the scoring some points against the top defense and the way they scored them. Just an encouraging win for Rumson. Like you said, they get the four and four when they make the playoffs. Like they, they're just fine. So what they did last year, they made it all the way to the group two final. So, I think that gives this group confidence because, you know, Reed Elsis, their senior linebacker, said as much after the game. We've been in this position before. We know how to handle it. We just have to start executing and, like, playing the way we know we can play. And for Marlboro, on the other hand, not the worst thing in the world. You're 6-0. and It's a non-division game. you got a really good test. You get some things on film that you can really see what you need to work on. And I, I was talking to their head coach, Jason Degato, as we were walking off the field. And I said, you know, not the worst thing. You know, it'd be – if you were coming into this game, you're battling for a playoff spot. You really needed it. That's a really tough loss to have to absorb, but they can kind of shake it off coming to this week with a chance to clinch an outright division title and then just go from there. True, because we don't really know what Marlboro is going to be in the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. last year they won a playoff game for the first time since, what, 94, the, yes. the season that we keep referring back to <laughs> for all things Marlboro, the one year they did win a state championship in their history. So, I think that's the next thing is can Marlboro take that step where they're in a sectional final, where they Mm -hmm. make it that far. Uh, So getting to see Rumson this close to the playoffs is a good test because that's a really good team. You're not going to see a ton of teams better than them in your bracket. Uh, So you're right. It's, there's no such thing as, you know, a great loss or anything, but considering it didn't have division title implications, I thought the one interesting wrinkle is you got to think Marlboro is in the mix to be with this team that's going to get moved up to the American division next year, like them and Point Burrow and Jackson, maybe. Maybe. I don't – Marlboro, because of the way they do the averages and Marlboro is in, you know, a division that's – you know, technically, if you're looking at it from the American down, it's a hierarchy. There right, multiple so Point divisions Burrow down. would be the more likely candidate. Probably, probably, just because of Point Burrow's – their win totals the last three seasons are going to be up in the 8, 9, 10 range, so right. – that entire cross section will probably moved up, even though they are a group two school, but so is Rumson. So we've seen how that works. So that's a, uh, the topic of the American division is one for another day. It's very polarizing, but um, 
Yeah, you're right. Who gets moved up is definitely something to watch. Like maybe Marlboro got a season. taste of their future a little bit. Like yeah, we right. don't know, but um, you know, the game I went to was uh, Long Branch, thirty-one to two, very random score <laughs> over Southern. Uh, Southern's only points came on tackling, getting a tackle in the end zone for a safety. But Long Branch is rounding into form, and I think their game this week against Colts Neck is a great test for both of those teams in addition to having ramifications for the division title in the colonial division, Colts neck has to win that game to potentially tie point borough for the title. But man, Davon Kraft, he was up over like 171. I think they had him for 190. Mm-hmm. He did get hit a couple times for losses, but when he gets going North South, if you step up in the hole against him, you better, you better bring it or you're getting absolutely trucked. Because I saw of- some of those highlights. Yeah. He yes. was on a mission. Angry runs there. 200 pounds. They're they're calling him the locomotive over the uh the the loudspeaker. You know what uh Bruce Clay, the uh <laughs> the voice of Long Branch. Never short of nicknames yes. for players. <laughs> I mean, he was crushing people who stepped up in his path once he got going full bore. He's been a great addition since transferring from Neptune. He had to sit out the first month because of the transfer rule. Uh, the big story with them, too, is Ernest Reeve. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast for the season and the broken hand. He's still playing with the cast on his hand wrapped up. He caught a 28-yard touchdown pass with essentially only, like, one good arm. And then he caught another 21-yard pass falling down, like, for another big first down that led to a touchdown. So he's doing everything he can with that. They don't. They do not have a timetable for when that thing might come off. I guess it mm-hmm. just keeps getting reevaluated. And he said there's a possibility he might not get it off at all the whole season. That could be off in two weeks, like maybe for their first playoff game. Um, Quentin Fisher is the sophomore they put in at quarterback, who's basically when they have to throw the ball, he's mm-hmm. the guy. Um, they do line up Reeve in the backfield, but it's it's obviously a wildcat play because he's got the Wait, cast you mean he's got the big club hand. on his hand is yeah, not throwing I mean, it. If he starts being able to throw the ball with a club, like uh, he's, we're making him player of the year. Like now what we don't know is for weeks, he's been practicing throwing lefty and he's going to come out in his game. Like Scott, yeah, like do it to a tongue like of Iowa, young. Yeah, exactly. Slugging, slinging it lefty downfield. Could you imagine that? Like, right. oh, obviously jokes. I mean, that, would, that wouldn't be on the scouting report. That was that no. would be pretty shocking. Wait a second, uh, the kid with the broken right hand is now lefty? Yes. Uh-oh. But so, yeah, that's it. Right, solid. Their defense only uh, barely over, you know, like 100 yards, 150 yards to Southern. Um, they've been kind of under the radar because they had that tough schedule early on. They the, Reeby wasn't able to play quarterback. Um, Zaheem Brown was a little banged up in that game, their senior running back. He left early with like a little bit of a leg, like tweak, and then came back near the end for like a carry or two. Uh, but with those three guys running the ball and the ability to throw here and there, they are a dangerous team. I'm very interested to see. Like, in other words, for Colts Neck to get that division title, that is no gimme. They are going to have to really earn mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Colts Neck number 11 in our short 16. Long Branch moving up to number 12. So, yeah, it's two even teams on paper. They go about it certainly a little bit differently. That's going to be a good one. Saturday at Colts Neck. Two physical uh, running backs in that, that game. You got Kraft that- and Scully. Yeah, I mean the pads are going to be popping in that game. Yes, should be a good one. And and two, you mentioned Reeve, obviously quarterback not throwing the ball, but Colsnack senior quarterback Dom Beninato has had a pretty good season. He's had and every week. It's obviously a lot of the eyes are on Scully, and he's rushing for around 200 yards and multiple touchdowns every week, rightfully so. But 
Ben and Otto had two touchdowns uh, passing and another one rushing in a win over St. John Vianney. So he's playing well too, giving them another, um, you know, something else for opposing defenses to worry about. And just while we're on that game, might as well take all the way through it. Yeah, it was 41-27 for Colts Neck over St. John Vianney. Um, Ethan Matthew, again, making big plays. He had a long touchdown catch and 88-yard kick return touchdown. So Colts Neck just getting a lot of different guys involved. It's not just Scully. They really, you know, had some, some contributions from other guys, which they've needed to have. And since that 0-2 start, you know, they're 4-1 in their last five games. So Colts like playing well, and that's a big one on uh, on Saturday. Also to mention that game, oddly enough, St. John Vianney, they had the big one over Shore. We know they're really young. They've kind of been up and down, but their young players are playing well. They ran for 329 yards on Colts neck. Uh, their senior, Luca Minardo, 128 yards in a touchdown. How about the freshman, Abdul Ture, a buck 33 on the ground in a touchdown. So, the wins aren't there right now for the Lancers. They're two and six, but you see they're still fighting. Uh, they're playing some good teams pretty tough, and they have some good young talent. Yeah, Abdul Ture is already getting looks from uh, Rutgers and Monmouth, according to their head coach, Jeff Papson, and so is uh, Donnie Rocco Souza, all-name team, uh, starting offensive lineman, but better known as a standout linebacker as well. Uh, that's that's really encouraging for them, yeah, to pilot. And then, honestly, that's got to be a little worrisome for Colts neck because now you're playing a long range team that has a pretty ferocious rushing attack and is not completely one dimensional, but like 75, 80% rushing the passing. So they're going to have to get some things squared away before they face them. Unless it's just, you know, Scully and Kraft trading back and forth until the smoke clears. It might just be the haymakers until somebody's left standing at the end. So I, I, I think, like you said, Ethan Matthew to me is a huge X factor. Him and Beninato in the passing game, mm-hmm. because as you get into the playoffs, those guys are going to have to make plays because it's mm-hmm. going to get harder and harder. And it's it's really tough to ask Chris Scully to just go out there and get 200 yards every week against good playoff opponents. Although we will say Chris Scully coming up on a big milestone, passing a guy whose career we covered, Anthony Gargiulo. Yeah, he's. I, I did the math, and I believe it was. I can't remember what I said. I got around 135 yards away from passing, uh, you know, Colts Neck legend Anthony Gargiulo as the school's all-time leading rusher. Gargiulo, multiple-time first-team All-Shore player, uh, went to Navy, was the starting fullback at the Naval Academy for multiple seasons was also a stud lacrosse player when he was there. So one of the best athletes in school history. And Scully, who came in really highly touted, um, you know, coming in even as a freshman before he got, you know, starting looks on, uh, at the varsity level, you know, has just played well and gotten better every year. So, yeah, I mean, you got to imagine, you know, he's going to hit it at some point. question is whether it's Saturday or not. So you're right, Scully on, on his way to a milestone. And Back on the other in side the, of that colonial division equation, yeah, you have Point Borough. Uh, they're going to have to beat Rowden this week to get their piece, but they sent a message that they're they're roaring right back from that loss to Manalpin with a forty-two to seven win over Matawan. Yeah, they uh, and that was what we talked about last week. How will Point Borough respond? What will the answer be? It was a forty-two-seven victory. It was close game. Point Borough was at fourteen nothing. They scored late in the uh, the first half. They tried to pooch kick, keep it away from some Madawan dangerous returners. It didn't work. Wellman Crooms brought it back to the eight yard line. They scored a touchdown, you know, with, you know, in the closing seconds of the half, 14-7, Madawan's getting the ball and you're going, okay, like, did this game just flip? And Point Borough said, nope, 28 unanswered points in the third quarter. And that was it. Matt Alfont, you know, continues to do it. And not just on the ground, 
Brown, he's been he's been throwing the ball for touchdown passes for multiple weeks in a row. He had a buck 97 rushing, three touchdowns, 101 yards passing, two TDs. Brian Samoa's gotten to it again. Their senior slot back, 50 yards rushing, touchdown, caught a touchdown pass. And then uh, Colin Obzer, their junior slot back, caught a short pass. I saw the hot. He broke like a million tackles and was just gone for a 45-yard touchdown of reception. So Point Burrow, they answered the call. They're back feeling good. And now they're going to try to close it out with, uh, against the two and five Raritan team that, look, we know is tough and they're playing hard, but it, it hasn't been a, a, the kind of year that Raritan has had recently where they've been you know, in the mix in sectional finals. So Point Burrow is certain favorite there. They just want to take care of their half. They know they're guaranteed at least a share of division title. And then they, you know, you might see them at Colts Neck with the, the long French varsity jackets on and the big heads of Devon Craft in the in the stands. So they're going to be rooting for LB certainly on Saturday if they can get the win on Friday night uh, up at Raritan. And it's interesting. You look at the uh, the UPR rankings in that region. In a weird quirk, there's the possibility that Raritan could have to play Point Borough again in the first round of the playoffs as an eight seed in like the one versus eight game. So it's, you know, certainly be interesting back-to-back weeks. Yeah. You know, and I will say the point Borough staff, they have a ton of respect for Rod and obviously because of what they've done, what they've done recently and, you know, head coach Anthony Petruzzi and their staff and what they've been able to do throughout their tenure there. And and that's not an easy game because point Borough knows how to defend that option. You know, they've done a pretty good job of it. They played a lot in recent seasons. So, I can't imagine it's a game that they would be like excited about, but look, it's you got to play who's in front of you. And I'm sure Raritan would love to get a couple cracks at pulling the upset. So, um, and then the, the game we touched on, and I put it in the headliners here just because we have to mention Micah Ford's return, which he did. Tom's River North 49 nothing over Tom's River South, not so civil in the Civil War. Uh, Micah Ford came back, he missed the last three games with a lower body injury. Uh, suffered back in September, played about 15 snaps, ran for a touchdown, threw another, nice and tidy. I don't want to say I called that, but I might have said come back and knock the rust off maybe one game before RBC. We'll still we have to still see if he plays against RBC. Yeah, that's, that's my all question, my discussion. Right? It, it, that's because yeah. that's hanging out there in the air that Coach Dave Oswitz has said, you know, we're evaluating we'll see. I mean, Michael Ford is the ultimate competitor. Yeah. So you know he's begging, like, I, I'm ready. Play me in this mm-hmm. whole game against RBC. Really interested to see how that plays out. Do they start him? Uh, and does he play the whole game? Is there – obviously they have some kind of plan. They're certainly not sharing with us. Right. But it's going to be interesting when we – we're not going to know until we get out on the field. And, you know, we'll see. Is he out there? Is he starting? How long does he play? Is it, you know, score dependent? What is going on here? So that's definitely something to watch. Yeah, that game was – Again, it was a blowout. 49-0. Their second straight 49-0 win. Josh Moore ran for 100 yards and two touchdowns on three carries. They got a lot of guys involved, all the usual suspects. Uh, Jeremiah Pruitt, three counsel. Mordecai Ford in the end zone. TJ Valerio, again, came in through a touchdown pass. So they're Tom's are North rolling since that loss to Donovan. And they go in uh, you know, to this RBT game at full strength and with a full head of steam. And I think at least from our perspective, the fans and everything, like that's all you want. Let's see these two put full strength go go toe-to-toe. Absolutely. This is the game that all of last year everyone was wishing got played. You know, mm-hmm. when there was a big argument between these two teams for the number one ranking in the Shore Conference, 
I mean, what a stretch for uh, for RBC in particular. You have to play Toms over North this week, Donovan Catholic next week. Like, this is their statement time, right? If they want to declare themselves the number one team, free and clear, uh, in the Shore Conference, probably for the season, they got they. It's all in front of them to get these yeah. two games. The most interesting thing to me, there's a couple aspects of this one. Clearly, the 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 line play. These are mm-hmm. two huge lines on both sides of the ball with FBS guys all over them. Who's going to win that battle at the point of attack? And then, Tom's River North has an excellent secondary, and they're going to have to. They're going to be going against Emmanuel Ross on the RBC side. That's an excellent matchup. Yeah, too. and we it could be. You know, Tariq Council, one of the best cover corners in the shore. He has the the height. You know, he's about six foot three. So, like from that perspective, you could see him matched up at Ross. You have Jeremiah Pruitt. You can deploy in a million different ways. Micah Ford's also a, a tremendous safety. So, yeah, there's a lot of wrinkles to that game, and and it's going to be a fun one for sure at Gurner Field on Friday night. Um, we'll go down to the rest of the uh, the top teams in the shore. Donovan Catholic took care of business, forty one nothing over Red Bank Regional. Todd Lamberson uh, ran for a touchdown, threw for another. Najee Calhoun, two touchdowns. Simply put, they they did what they needed to do, and now they move on. They'll go to the Swamp Friday night against Middletown South, and they're just trying to take care of that game there and try to set up next week where they can either, you know, clinch an outright division title or, you know, just, you know, polish off uh, the season there. So Donovan doing its thing. And then RBC, we just mentioned 34-13 over Howell. Good fight by Howell, to be honest especially early in that game, but too much Casey's Frankie Williams, 11 to 14, 194 yards, four touchdowns. And then Emmanuel, the aforementioned Emmanuel Ross, all he did was go for six for one twenty and three TDs. So the Casey's uh, they're, they're playing really well defensively. Again, they're loaded. Davin Bruton at linebacker up front, Lorenzo Portel and Logan Graham. And in the secondary, I feel like Steven Myers just gets a pick. Every single week, he's up to four on the season. He had an interception in turn for a touchdown. So you talk about flying high into a big game. The Casey, since that loss to Burton Catholic week zero, have just taken, you know, they've taken down every opponent in front of them and they're playing really well. They're rounding into form. And I like the balance they're showing offensively now. Earlier in the year, I felt like it was a little bit more running as they were really getting the passing attack down. I mean, Ross, like I've said before, it's crazy the amount of percentage of his catches that are touchdowns. It's like if he's catching the ball, it's in the end zone. Carter. He's about to put it in the end zone. <laughs> like It's like Tyreek Hill level. It's yeah. getting crazy. Um, and you're right. Steven Myers, a really underrated part of that secondary. I saw him against Rumson. He had two picks in that game uh, and played great. He, uh, he's been a, a real standout for them in that secondary. Uh, and they're going to need, you know, him and those guys because North can throw the ball, as we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, that the, they can hurt you down the field. So it's going to take all three levels of RBC's defense in that game. But, yeah, they have to be feeling good about the way things are going. And now this is, you know, the defining stretch of their season. Uh, and as far as another team flying high, best start in school history, Brick Memorial. 32-13 over Lacey. They're now 7-0 and for the first eight time ever. Or 8-0. 8-0. I know. First, first time real, ever. They were, six, they were 7-0 for the first time ever. So now, obviously, it, that's going to keep going as long as they keep winning. She's playing really well right now. Connor Dietz, 176 yards, two touchdowns. Kevin Andrews, 137 yards rushing a touchdown. Jason Whitaker, Nizer Whitaker also found the end zone. 
And that ground game has been punishing, and it hasn't been just Dietz, which has been huge. I mean, Kevin Andrews had a really good debut season as a sophomore last year. He's been just as good this year. And you see that the depth they have offensively. I think that's been a that's been a huge part of the 8-0 start, and so is the defense. I mean, last year it was one of the bottom – it was in the bottom third. And it's not a top-10 defense, but it's playing much better. Were they not ha- – last year this game would have been one 32-30. Now it's 32-13. They're putting teams away and just playing a lot more complementary football. And they're opportunistic. They get a lot of turnovers. You know, they might allow yards and bend a little, but then they turn you over or they mm-hmm. stiffen up in the red zone. Uh, they do that. They do what needs to be done to back up that really good offense. And plus, sometimes I feel like these teams that are, you know, these defenses that are part of real explosive offensive teams. It's like the defense comes off the field, the offense scores in like a minute, and yes. then you're right back out there again. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's mm-hmm. like you barely catch your breath before your team is in the end zone and you're running back out there again. Sometimes, you know, that has an effect. But now we get the big one. I know. Brick is struggling, but they have had the upper hand in this long time series between the two schools. I think they've won 10 of the last 11. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Brick Memorial will be the big, overwhelming favorite coming into this one, but this is kind of a records go out the window game. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's one Brick Memorial has been looking forward to for a while uh, to finally kind of start reversing the tide a little bit in this rivalry. Absolutely. And you know, it, you know, they're going to have. Uh, the full attention on Brick. It, this isn't a look ahead to the playoffs type of game. Certainly because it's Brick, I think that like any rivalry game, that just it snaps a team to attention. And you have a division championship on the line, an outright division title, and you're undefeated. So you don't and want Brick, to lose your first game to to your rival. And, and Brick, Brick is desperate for a playoff spot. And yeah, get them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on, and Brick's had their number and all these things. So. That is that will not be an easy game. Brick Moral is the favorite, but as we've seen, you know, Brick has owned them and Brick has found ways to shut that offense down. You know, for so long it was the straight up triple option. And Brick, when it was week zero, they had they practiced that all offseason and they became just perfect at shutting it down. It's not the same offense, but last season they did a really good job against it. So that that's gonna be. It's funny. Brick Morals eight and our bricks four and four. Brick Morals team that has the question to answer in this game, even though like they are, you you have to consider them the favorite because of the record and the rankings and all that, the common opponents, you know. But they have more to prove because they have not gotten it done against Brick. So it's at home Friday night. They moved it back to Friday night after it being on Saturday. So I, the atmosphere there is probably going to be off the charts uh, and just a massive game for both teams. And that's what you want. We've always talked about that. You want that final week of the regular season to be a rivalry game where there's, you know, at, at the very least, it's a rivalry game. And quite possibly you have a lot more on the line. That's exactly what this one has. Yeah, you got division title, playoff berth for Brick. And yes, the bragging rights on top of it. I mean, you better get go get your Wawa sandwich at about three in the afternoon and then get over there. <laughs> And get a decent parking spot, or you're going to be parked in like Lakewood. Yeah, I know. Like, I can start charging people on my front lawn, and I don't live that close. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, it should be a fun one uh, Friday night at the Fabio Field. Uh, moving on down, another team that moved up one spot in our rankings is Holmdel, now up to number six. How about that? From one and nine, unranked, undefeated, seven and oh, five 
five. I'm going to say it again. Five straight shutouts after a 35 nothing win over Raritan. I mean, the defense. For, you know, I was more impressed with this. For the first time, there was like an actual standout on defense where it wasn't. And this is a credit to the defense, how balanced they are. Every week, it's like everyone had six tackles and one tackle for loss and three guys had interceptions. This week, Cipriano Bodnar, eight tackles, uh, one and a half sacks, couple tackles for loss. Jack Cannon doing it again from the quarterback position. Multiple rushing touchdowns. Like, it's been the same formula. Wash, rinse, repeat, and it has worked every single time. Jack Cannon continues to really be the difference maker on that offense as far as, you know, they can grind you with the running game, and he's part of that. Uh, but they can also hurt you throwing the ball. He had 152 yards passing and a touchdown. And they really have, in the early days of that battle of the border rivalry with Raritan, it was Raritan that was winning like every year. And now Holmdel has really dominated that yeah. the last couple of years. I believe the season, the series is now evened up at 8-8 all time. But, you know, that a lot of that is Holmdel roaring back to, uh, to tie it. And it was funny. I thought, man, five shutouts. That's got to be like the biggest thing going on in the state. Turns out Weequayic, which is now a group one powerhouse, probably the favorite to win the group one title, had not allowed a point the entire season until this weekend. <laughs> and it was a safety when they got an interception, ran out of the end zone, and they got tackled oh. back in the end zone in a 58-2 to two victory. That yeah. is a tough one. But that's the only points. I mean, just – these are the, not to get too deep into it, Quag, because I know it's group one. Or These are their scores this year. 50 to nothing, 42 nothing, 63 nothing, 69 nothing, 70 to nothing, 63 nothing, 58 to two. Like, that's, are you uh, kidding me? Uh, that's kind of overpowering. <laughs> Although I remember the year they had a bunch of those crazy scores and then they played Rumson in the sectional final and got shut down and got beat. Yes, yes. So sometimes, Massive game from uh, Donald Bedell. Yeah, game. Some game, but sometimes I do question that. But yes, Homedale five straight shutouts is incredible. They're now one short of their school record for a whole season is six. Um, and they're hoping to get that this week. They have to beat Shore Regional to lock down the outright division title. If they lose that game and Manasquan beats Ocean a day later, Manasquan can tie them for the title. So Homedale still has some unfinished business this week trying to uh, get that win over the Blue Devils. And going on down, uh, number 10, Jackson Memorial, coming off its loss, took out its anger on district rival Jackson Liberty, 34-3. Jonah Glenn, you know, Marlboro shut him down, and he came back with a vengeance this week uh, to the tune of 242 yards rushing, four touchdowns, uh, nose tackle, Zach L. Fashley, seven tackles, uh, sack, couple hits for a loss. Albert D'Alessandro, Jaden Hernandez with touchdowns. And, you know, they they did what they needed to do. Now they move on to Southern, a game they'll be favored in, and they'll try to get to the postseason with uh, with just that one defeat and compete for the Group 4 title. Again, Jonah Glenn. He had the one week, you know, again, they that was the best defense they played, and they, he couldn't get anything going. But, you know, look, every other week he has put up huge numbers. He's yeah, he's one of the future superstars. I mean, he's a current star, but I mean the future yeah. like mega stars of the Shore Conference. Uh, I think it kind of goes back to like you said earlier about Marlboro and Rumson about how Marlboro got some things on film of like this is what we can fix, this is what we mm -hmm. can do better after losing that game. Jackson very similar probably, 
after losing that Marlboro game, how did they stop us? How did they stymie our running game? You know, how do we fix that going into now the big portion of our schedule? They have Southern this week, I believe. Yes. Who's been struggling a little bit. Jackson will be a favorite in that game. Looking to, again, run the ball behind Glenn. Uh, but I, I think it's another one of those things like you got beat, but if you can learn from that going into the playoffs, it might fuel you to be able to get, you know, the big prize here in the state mm-hmm. playoffs. Yeah, unless you're going completely undefeated, like the loss in the regular season is not the worst thing in the world. I mean, how many – we all uh, – you know, we. I mean, there's only them. what now? There's only five teams really in New Jersey. Technically six that could finish the year undefeated. Yeah. But I only count five because those North Jersey non-publics all play each other and they all play a national schedule. So most of them – you know, in other words, the winner of A has probably played the winner of B yes. during the season at some point. Yeah. And like Burton Catholic has the loss to like Chaminade Madonna in right. Florida, who has like a receiver going to Ohio. Like that's not, you're not comparing. So realistically, things, it's so. the public school groups. Like there's really only five teams in that that can yeah. go undefeated for the season. So that to Pretty most true. teams, it's like, don't obsess about being undefeated. Yes, yeah. it can be done, but you just rather have that group title, no matter how you had to get it. Get into the playoffs, playing well, and then finish it off. So, uh, we mentioned Colts Neck number 11, uh, 41-27 over SJV. Long Branch uh, th- uh, up to number 12 with 13 last week, 31-2 over Southern. Middletown North, man, they came back from that bye, and they fixed whatever was ailing them. Uh, two wins in a row now, 17-10 over Brick. Hands Brick, it's fourth straight loss. Luke Sheehan, 231 yards passing, two touchdowns. How about uh, as I'm dropping things here in my office? How about Ian Poole Morgan, the senior kicker, a 40-yard field goal? I, w- I will say, and I think you can attest to this, like that's not a normal thing for high school players. Like, you don't see too many yard, 40 yard field goals. And he has been one of the best kickers in the shore the last three seasons. I think he kicked either 37 or a 40 yard or last year or at some point in his career. He's been really good for them. Uh, and that's a nice win. You know, Brick doesn't give up a ton of points usually. So they have to play good defense as well. They get the job done um, going into another big game uh, against Marlboro on the weekend where. You know, they're not going to win any division title, but they can certainly get some some nice uh, PowerPoints uh, this coming week. Yes, and they've been picking up some steam here going into the playoffs. And they're kind of the sure outlier in that they're in a North Jersey bracket. They're like one of that's our – right, that North teams. 2 group four. Yes, that's in like – that has to scout like a ton of teams that they're never going to see or like – Ridge and like Sayerville yes. and all those, yeah. Exactly, but Luke Sheehan's been playing well and – the return of Brian Dunleavy, who came back from an injury, correct? Like yes. a couple of weeks ago, that's been big for them. He's caught a couple touchdowns here since his return. That's really rounded out their receiving core. I know for a lot of the year, teams were trying to bracket Dylan Briggs and slow him down, but obviously that's a lot harder now with Dunleavy back. And you're right, Poole Morgan, 40-yard field goals, you do not see them very often. And that's a real weapon to have in a playoff game. You know, that's when yes. it could really come save you. I mean, I know that, what was it, the kicker from Old Japan this week? Uh, Nico Ottomanelli 50 yard field goal. That is, game. we haven't seen. I think the last 50 yard field goal I remember in the shore conference was Jake Del Vento of Tom's River South. And he had multiple ones. I, I feel like maybe even the same game, but he definitely had multiple ones. And then you got to go back. I mean, the one I to, remember is uh, Mike Cortese from Jackson. Memorial. Yes, that's that was the ultimate demoralizer because, right, you'd stop them and they'd be like, no, no, 
We have this guy from NFL range who's going to come out and drill a 53-yarder. Right. We're already down 35 nothing. Please, like, stop the bleeding. Oh, we finally got to stop on defense. Like, we're high-fiving. And then this guy comes out and booms one from 50 yards to make it, like, 38 nothing. And he went on to kick at uh, Rutgers. That team was a cheat code when you consider the offense, the defense. Oh, and then, like, yeah, we have, like, the best kicker in the state, too. So, <laughs> but, yeah, Paul Morgan, definitely a big weapon going forward, forward for them in the playoffs and then Friel township moves up one spot to number 14. They were 15 last week, uh, 25, seven over ocean. Uh, they improved four, three or excuse me, five and three, Nick Cardone, three more touchdowns uh, through the air. Jalen Gill Anderson, 78 yards and two touchdowns. They speaking of a team that, you know, multiple receivers, they really spread it around. We have John Paul Cortez, who's your leading receiver, Carnival, Jalen Gill Anderson, you know, they, they throw a lot of guys out there, as we know Corey Davies' teams do. And Cardone has really taken that step this year. After seeing, you know, time as a freshman, playing a good amount last year, you know, he's been the start of the whole way this year, and he's played some really good football. He's become one of the the real good dual threats of the Shore Conference, mm-hmm. and he's been playing great at their biggest moments here down the stretch. And it seems like Early in his career, he was splitting time, remember? Like, he was coming yes. in and out. It was like the quarterback job was never really his, it felt like, all the time. But now that he's been able to settle in as the, you know, full-time starter, he, he just seemed to improve uh, week after week. So, yeah, he, he's a weapon for them going into the uh, postseason. As we talked to Corey Davis, their head coach last week, you know, that's an offense, again, that not a lot of people have seen mm-hmm. before. So you get the right matchup in the playoffs where another team is not ready for that air raid. Um, and you can maybe get yourself a victory or two. And I believe their school record, I want to say is eight wins in a season. That sounds about right. And they're oh, now up to five. Yeah, they are so, at five. And, uh, you know, they're at Barnegat this week. That'll They'll be favored in that game. They could very well get to six. So yeah, with a nice little playoff run, they could, at least make a run at tying their school record. Which yeah, Friel Township, eight win. They were eight and three in 2017, Corey Davies' third season. The year before that, they went seven and three. So, and that at the time tied the school record. So, like we talked about Corey, you know, last week on the on our varsity and the coaches corner, they've really taken steps forward in that program to where they they're consistent contenders. You know, they're they're a solid team every year. They're playing well right now. You want to be playing your best football, certainly going to the playoffs. They're doing that at the moment. And like you said, you get in the postseason, you get the right matchup. Teams are used to playing, you know, running teams all year. You get this team, you know, with a quarterback that can beat you with his legs if you're not paying attention, but is going to spread you out with three and four and five wide receivers. There's not a lot of public school teams that are built to cover that. So real time is a fun team to watch. Going and forward. one other note about them. We have joked about it a couple of weeks, though, that, they won't actually be able to be there in person at the Brick Brick Memorial game, appearing yeah. for Brick, but they are certainly hopeful that they can get a little assist from the Green Dragons because if Brick upsets Brick Memorial and Township beats Barnegat, Township mm-hmm. clinches a share of their first division title in school history. That's right. That is right. So, yes, there's a lot. There will be a lot of that. We need to win, but after that, it's like, you have a designated like score. Yeah, you're like you're stabbing the voodoo line. doll of like the other teams, like guy in the uniform, like repeatedly trying to get that like help on the other side. Oh man, that's like one of those games where you're covering it, and like the coaches are like, "What's you got any like update yeah. on this game? Like, what's going like they on?" They want here? like a play by play. 
you're like, I'm standing at your game. And they're like, what about now? What about now? Well, I'm not actually at the other game, so I can't tell you immediately. They're like using you the hitting manual refresh like on you as a person. Like, come on, what's next? What's next? Yes, so, exactly. What's that's what makes now? it fun. Like, it's still halftime, you know? Like, <laughs> calm down. Some other notable results. The first division title will be clinched outright. That goes to the port. Keyport retains the Bayshore Bell 35-14 over Keensburg. Second division title row, but first outright since 2003, a season you remember, I know very well. And uh, keep look, it's I feel like uh, you just copy and paste a lot of these numbers from week to week. Nazir Treadwell continues his absolutely fantastic senior season. Threw for 141 yards, two touchdowns, ran for 98 and two touchdowns on five carries. And it was pouring rain on top yes. of that. Yeah, I saw a picture in there for the game. Uh, Ryan Burns, like just their senior linebacker, covered in mud, holding the Bayshore Bell, like giant smile on his face. So that was, you know, that was a big one to clinch a division title. It's also their biggest rival. So a lot went into that game. And Keyport now won you know, six games in a row after that loss to Friel Burrow. I mean, no um, one in Group One has touched them. Like, no, no. similarly sized school mm-hmm. has given them a game. So I'm genuinely curious to see how they're going to be now when they get yeah. into the postseason against the, you know, fellow sized schools. And they have New Egypt this week. Um, they'll be favored in that game. So you're right. It, it's going to depend where they get slotted, what the matchups of the seeds, as it all goes. You might face a, a juggernaut team like right away if the seeds break weird. So you don't know. But if they get a decent draw, like, yeah, they can go on a run because they, they've been doing it all year. They're playing with confidence. They have multiple players uh, that can beat you. And against most teams, you're going to have the best player on the field in Treadwell. And my question, and we'll have to ask some of these coaches, the way they do these brackets now, right, where it's all lumped in together until mm-hmm. they finally break it up after the cutoff, do you have to scout, like, 900 teams? Like, in other words, like, we might be in the bracket with these guys, but we might mm-hmm. not. So, like, we have to do it just in case? I've asked that question in, in previous years, and it's it, you've had different spots with different coaches. Some are like, yeah, we just try to get film on as many teams as we can. Like, we try to, you know. Look at it in a way where, like, we could probably play these teams, and other coaches are like, we don't know, and like, we just kind of like wait, we get our opponent, and like, we just crash course on them. Then, so it, it definitely takes away the strategy that it used to be, where you're like, all right, like these are the two or three teams we could probably match up with, like right away. So we'll just gather all the film on them, and then like we'll be ready to go. And you, it's not as simple anymore. And it works the other way. You, you could be like, well, the team we're playing hasn't has nothing on us or hasn't yeah. seen us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just funny that like you because they don't separate the brackets till the, till the end you used to be able to say hey look it's really going to be like these two or three teams that we might have to go through and mm-hmm. now you kind of think well it could possibly be like six or seven depending on how this all shakes out yeah very interesting uh manchester 27 22 over asbury park you know blue bishops have been struggling with numbers winless but they put up a good fight manchester Manchester holds them off, though. Josh Love, 254 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Manchester tied the school record for wins in a season with six. Just the fourth time they've ever had six wins. They're at Lake with this coming weekend, a chance to get the seven for the first time ever. So just can't say enough about the job that Tommy Farrell and that entire coaching staff and that program has done. I know they're down in the Patriot division with some with them the smaller schools, but listen, Manchester has been really struggling. They were losing to a lot of those schools consistently. So this wasn't like a Oh, you stuck this team in this division, they don't belong there. No, like they, they did 
they're they're playing their way out of it though. And so you imagine they're gonna start moving up, uh, you know, pending what happens the rest of the season. But really good win for Manchester. That program is doing some things. And what a week for their head coach Tommy Farrell. His wife gave birth to their first child, a daughter, Kira, who uh Josh Love got the game ball from the win over Asbury and turned around and gave it to Kira, the little baby. Um, so it was a real uh, touching moment for Tommy and uh, the Hawks. Uh, yeah, they get to that sixth win, and now they could certainly get to seven uh, this mm-hmm. week and set the record. They played Lakewood, uh, so there's a chance they could set a school record for wins uh, this week and become the first seven-win team. Yeah, you can kind of see – like we've talked a lot about Pinelands and Manchester this year, right, and how they're kind of resurging, but their schedule, it's good in one way and it's tough in another. Mm-hmm. It's good because they're getting wins and they're getting confidence and they're competing for division division titles, but they're both pretty much out of the playoff picture. Yeah. Despite being despite having like five five wins for Pinelands, I think, and six for Manchester, and they're not mm-hmm. even really close to being in the no. Yeah, and that's it's funny. I was talking to Tommy Farrell a little bit about that. Uh, and he's like, Yeah, we're probably, you know, I'm like, great, you know, great season. You know, you guys are playing well. He's like, Yeah, but it's probably not gonna make the playoffs. It's tough right now. They're Highlands is 20th, Manchester 21st in South Three, where the top 16 qualifies. So, yeah, that that's the, but that's the give and take with the schedule. It's like you want some schedule relief, you want to be able to build yourself back up, so you will get that opportunity in the way the Shores divisional structure is. But the cost of that is, like, there's a good chance even you can be undefeated and not make the playoffs. Well, so it's like that's that trade off. You know, when you're like a group three and you're playing group twos and group yeah. ones, like you're mm-hmm. just not getting the points that the other schools nope. your size are getting from playing equally sized or bigger teams. Exactly. And the way it's broken down, you know, is a lot of their wins are over teams that have zero wins, one win, two wins. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting a lot of extra points um, in that regard. So you're right. It's it's a trade off. Like, Yes, you get these wins to build enthusiasm in your program and like hopefully get the numbers up, get the excitement up, maybe hang a division banner, but you're going to have to start playing bigger and, you know, schools bigger and higher divisions to start getting enough points to get into the playoffs with five or six wins. Exactly. Uh, and then and the team that we mentioned in that same vein was Pinelands, uh, the Wildcats 27-7 over Barnegat, Jamin Parkinson, 100 yards and two TDs. Uh, Mike Frawley continuing his great season. Seven catches for 100 yards. Liam Villinger had a touchdown catch and a touchdown run. Pinelands a big game, though, this weekend. You know, they they host Monmouth Regional. And if Pinelands can win, then they will root for Central. And then they could potentially get a, a share of that Liberty Division title. So, but they're going to have to take care of business first against a Monmouth team that is but defensively, Monmouth has been great this year. Like, they have... You know, outside of they they got shut out by Shore twenty eight nothing again going up several divisions uh, in caliber of competition. But Mama's defense has been really good, so I think that's that's going to be a pretty darn good game. I think down in uh in Pine Cat Country, <laughs> exit fifty eight. Yeah, that that's got the look of a slugfest. You know, mm-hmm. like who that's a game where like a Mike Frawley could be a difference maker. You know, you hit one pass for like a sixty yard TD or something like that in a real tight low scoring game. That could be the difference. Uh, so you're right, Mammoth. That's not an easy game at all in that division. Their defense has shown they've been one of the toughest defenses against in during divisional play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of funny because you know they need Central to upset Tom's River South to, to potentially tie them, 
And Pinelands coach Don Tierney's son plays for Central. Imagine like he gets like the winning TD catch or something like that. Um, but for Tom's River South, they just saw, you know, the one of the most loaded, talented mm-hmm. teams in New Jersey in Tom's River North last week. Um, so they're going to try to bounce back and get that win over, you know, a central team that's been playing better and is coming off a win. Yeah, they, they beat Lakewood 30-24, two wins in a row. After they had lost five in a row. Nick Ruggiero, their junior running back, career high, 241 yards, rushing three touchdowns. Royalty Riley, 77-yard kick return touchdown. So Central, three and five now. So they've got two in a row. You know, obviously they'd love to pick off Tom, a Tom's River South team that's five and two and been playing really well. Central way out of the playoff picture. So they're going to be looking at a consolation game. Tom's River South went in the playoff picture and has division title to play for. So we'll see how that one goes. Going back to Shore Regional, 28-0 over Monmouth. The shutout, Josh Moore, three touchdown passes. They have Holmdel. Uh, Shore does not factor into the division championship race for their sake. Certainly they can beat Holmdel and give Manasquan an assist, which Manasquan beat Shore. So, and if Shore sold also- that off, they would rocket up the uh- well, yeah. playoff, I mean, they might be able to push all the way for like a number one seed or exactly their number, you know, talking about Keyport and rightfully so the Red Raiders have played great, but Keyport, you know, because of that schedule, they're down at number 12 and sure because of the played with some bigger schools up at number five and sitting with a solid five and two record. So, you know, sure has to be feeling pretty good too. You know, they shut out Monmouth, you know, if they could find a way and beat Holmdale. You know, they not only would they rock it up, but man, you talk about going to the playoffs on a hot streak and a team that traditionally has, you know, certainly performed great in the playoffs and has multiple sectional championships. It's a tall order in the sense that no one has really run the ball on Homedale this year. And well, no one has really scored on Homedale. Yeah, Homedale I mean, and that's score so. regionals bread and butter in the wing T is is moving people up front mm-hmm. and uh and running the ball at will and they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit, you know, make a big player here and there. Cause it's just Homedale has not given an inch on the ground against anybody this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if uh, the blue devils can maybe throw a curveball at them. And uh, you know, to beat Homedale too, you need to get some turnovers. You need to get some short fields. You're not going to really mount too many, like 80 yard drives yeah. on, against that defense. I mean, obviously people haven't mounted any scoring drives against that defense in a month plus. Um, but yeah, for sure, that's also just a great test going into the playoffs for them because, mm-hmm. you know, a gr- group one team playing up against competition like that, you're going to see a level of physicality that, you know, probably won't quite be there in the group one tournament. So yeah. it's a good preparation for them. And Holmdel, number three in the South uh, United Power Rankings, only Timber Creek and Delcy ahead of them. Um, so yeah, home really putting itself in position. Yeah, I mean, you think the way if, if those two top teams get put into a South Jersey bracket and Homedale in a central Jersey bracket, they'd be the number one seed. Could be. It depends. You know, they, they beat sure, depending on what happens with, with Delcy. Timber Creek looks to be firmly in right. front. Um, so yeah, that there's certainly a possibility there, and that, that would be definitely big for the Hornets. Last two games to touch on, Tom's River East 34-14 over Point Beach. Nevin Hart, 151 yards rushing, two touchdowns on just four carries. Tom's River East will be at Neptune this coming week. The Raiders, uh, they're they're out of the playoffs too. I mean, they're all the way down 26, so they're not going to be able to, to, to push forward towards the postseason, but obviously still, you want to end the season strong. 
And then Neptune, aforementioned, uh, wins a tight one, 12-7 over Freel, snaps a four-game losing streak. Their freshman quarterback slash wide receiver, Deron Lynch, uh, he caught a touchdown pass uh, from Aaron Lawson, and he had a touchdown catch from Carl Christie. And uh, on the defensive side, um, not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but we'll go. Somebody please correct me. Jeraria Gene, two sacks, four tackles for loss, recovered a fumble, and the Scarlet Flyers win a nail biter to pick up their second win of the season. So that is that those are the week seven results. And now we'll take a look at the, the, the grand finale here of the regular season for most of the short conference. We talked a lot about RVC, Toms River North. I mean, are there any other subplots in that game or like matchups you look forward to? We talked to, you know, Michael Ford, is he coming back? That's obviously a massive one. Um, you know, yeah. Emmanuel Ross versus that really talented Toms River North secondary, the battle up front. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. it, I guess will RBC's running back by committee come into play in this, you know, or, or will they go with one guy if he gets hot or how do you see mm -hmm. that potentially happening? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think two things I'm looking for, first and foremost, is Mike Ford and his availability. Does he play? How much does he play? It's obviously a major factor. The other one is can – can Red Bank Catholic run the ball consistently against, uh, you know, a, a sizable front and a very, it's not just the size up front. The Tom Jones linebackers are really good. Jeremiah Pruitt moves around all over the place. So they, they have been, it's not been easy to run the ball against them. Even the loss to Donovan. Donovan didn't have a lot of rushing yards until Najee Calhoun ripped off the long touchdown run that sealed at the end of the game. Like there wasn't a game where they ran all over. So they have not allowed you know, a, a team to really just go up and down the field rushing on them. You see, they didn't do it against Millville either in week zero. You know, they shut that team down uh, for the most part. So that's the matchup I'm looking for. Those those behemoth lines on both sides. Yeah. But in the run game, like how to – what does – because if Red Bank – Tom Jones can shut that down where Red Bank Catholic just can't get anything consistently going, and maybe they're only doing it to keep them, you know, Tom Jones honest, that definitely changes things because Tom Jones North – they have the pieces in the secondary to make that a lot more difficult than it is against most teams. Even though you do have Emmanuel Ross out there and Frank Williams, a quarterback, it, it Tom's worth has, they have the personnel to, you know, to make life difficult in the passing game. If they can shut down that run game consistently. Yeah, is that where like a tight end, uh, Luke Kurzakowski, like yeah. does he come into a big play for RBC because they're so, there's so much attention devoted to Ross that he might have some opportunities mm -hmm. Uh, North obviously also going to try to get a good pass rush on Frankie Williams. And on the other side, you know, we know North, they're based around the run game too. You know, mm -hmm. Josh Moore, and if it is Ford, them coming right at you. And will they be able to run the ball in RBC? I mean, nobody's mm -hmm. really been able to do that this year either. Mm -hmm. it, it's strength on strength. It's this team has not allowed another team to do this. This Can yeah. this team do what they do every week? But against this team, like that's, that's what makes this matchup so fun because they're both these teams are excellent. They're both really good at you know, the same things in, in regard. They go about it a little bit different ways, but yeah, it, it's strength on strength. Who's going to win? And that's what fans of short comps have been waiting over a calendar year to find out. And these are the games where, you know, when it comes time to decide all sure, you know, which lineman might have got the best of one another if yeah. we're splitting hairs at, at some point. 
and that kind of thing. Uh, these are just in this game, like all state, you'll have yes. like the statewide like media outlets yes. looking at this one. Yes, this is the game where the stars come out to play, right? Yeah, you know, if you're a big time player, you want to make big time plays. This is the spotlight. These are the games that you know you're attending your specific school to play in. So yeah, there'll be uh, a ton of attention on that game, and it should be a lot of fun because we've waited over a year for it. Mm -hmm. uh, selfishly, I hope Michael Ford is playing in there the whole way. I could understand if they didn't want to because it's going to be a very physical, pounding game. So depending on what that injury is, they may not want him getting hit by some mm -hmm. of these hard-hitting RBC defensive players. But I know he's a crazy competitor and will want to be a part of it and want to lead his team. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere, and there'll be a million subplots. You could probably write like five stories off that game just like by yourself yeah, when the game's you over. Uh, yeah, it's and, be fun. and it's crazy the American division that you know Donovan Catholic versus Middletown South also a top ten matchup, yeah. kind of relegated to the B game. Um, that's mainly I would think just because Middletown South has not risen up and beaten any of these teams no. in the American division that have you know that that they've played this year outside of wall, which they needed to even get that game in the final two minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Donovan, beat them last year. So they're, so Donovan Catholic going to be looking for a little payback, but mm -hmm. Donovan's defense has been so good. I mean, you've seen South a couple of times. You just wonder how are they going to get enough points in this game? That's, that's the biggest question is defensively Middletown South played, you know, they had RBC. That was a, a 1914 game, you right. know, going in, midway through the fourth quarter. So they've played these teams really tough. You know, defensively, they're going to bring it. Can they get enough going offensively against a great defense? Middletown South, they had a bye. So they've had a ton. No team has dealt with injuries to their top players, you know, multiple ones like they have, especially considering the division they're playing and where you can't afford that at all. So Jake Zwakiel, another week healthy after playing really well against Colts Snack two weeks ago. Donovan Sumi. You know, you expect him to be close to 100%, hopefully, in this game. So I think that could end up being a better game than people would think. But Donovan also has a ton to play for. Like, they need this game to make next week's game, you know, where they have a chance to win the division title to themselves. So, right. I mean, if you know, RBC it's the subplot, gets, but a huge one. Yeah. If RBC gets beat by Tom's River North, then mm -hmm. Donovan clinches at least a tie, no worse than a tie by just mm -hmm. beating South. Yeah. So you're the stakes are high. And, this is where I also just think Donovan's schedule just prepares them for this kind of stuff. Like they just mm -hmm. saw St. Joe's Montvale, who I don't know if people saw there was, they played Bergen Catholic on Sunday, one versus two in the state yeah. and took them to the brink. I think it was like a four point game, like came down to the wire. Yeah. It was like 27, 23 or 28, 23, you know, the first real hard game for Bergen Catholic against an in-state opponent this year. Um, and Donovan's seen them. They've kind of seen everybody, their defense, has been their backbone. It's just so hard to score on them that even if the offense is struggling here or there, they can hold the fort um, until Calhoun gets loose or Michael Thomas or whoever. Um, and then we have a bunch of other games that are all like, basically all the teams that have clinched at least a tie for the title are now trying to get it outright. Yeah, and that's, and we mentioned all these games, Point Bar right. at Rowden, Panthers can clinch at least a share. Long Branch, Colts neck, Colts can clinch at least a share. And those two ones can go, that can go anyway. It can go a shared title. Point Burke can win it outright. Colts Knight can win it outright. So there's wait and see with the Colonial Division. Uh, sure at Holmdell. Holmdell. I, I wrote sure. Holmdell can clinch the Constitution Division with a win. Same thing with Marlboro against Middletown North Saturday. Marlboro clinched the Freedom Division title. 
Brick Moore on Brick. Uh, Brick Moore looking for the Independence Division crown. And Tom's River South hosting Central, where the Indians can clinch the Liberty Division title. So that is a... that's that for the the big stuff in week eight. And then, you know, there's there's multiple other teams, a lot of same teams we've talked about, but some other ones that, you know, you got to win to give yourself a chance at a playoff person teams on, on the outside looking in. So week eight, it's always, you know, there's always a ton on the line um, and you're kind of playing for your football life at this point. And it makes it fun because it makes for drama. From selfishly for us, our perspective is a lot of stuff to write about. You know, you really sink your teeth into some of these stories and it just makes for, you know, a better atmosphere. And, you know, there's a lot on the line, a lot of emotion. And that's when you, you know, kind of see some special things happen. Right. Do or die games. We love that kind of stuff. You know, you're in or you're out, you win or you go home. Uh, that always adds to the drama. And there's gonna be a lot of, like we were talking about before, there'll be a lot of scoreboard watching. A lot of these teams that could potentially tie some of these other teams for division titles will have one eye on their game and one eye like refreshing the phone and like checking text (laughs) messages like discreetly on the sidelines, you know, so that the players can't catch them doing it the whole time. But, yeah, they'll want to be checking on how some of these other games go. Uh, Yeah. And then there's a few teams that are right around that 16 mark if they're at 18th spot or 19th. Mm. Back in the old days with PowerPoints, I could kind of figure out the formula. The formula for this is so convoluted. Like doing the math to try to guess, like, does this team need to win? Does this team need to win? It's hard now, like, because there's so many things that factor into that UPR. Yeah. That it gets, it's just, it's not as easy to project because there's always residuals. And how did mm-hmm. the other teams do on your schedule that you played or that you beat? Um, but, you know, to me, like, at this point, the way that the playoffs break down, when you have, you know, two and five teams making it in as like the sixth, the eighth seed or this mm-hmm. or that, like if you didn't make the playoffs, like your schedule was just probably weak if you had a lot of mm-hmm. wins or you just didn't get it done. So yeah, I don't feel like there's as much, um, gosh, I, I wasn't covering back in like the 90s when only four teams made it in each section. And they yeah. were like, imagine that in, now. Yeah, like Eric McCoo, Red Bank regional teams that like weren't even making it to the state playoffs mm-hmm. with like seven and wins or something. Yeah. So there's not, I don't think there's any of that like egregious, this team got left out. This isn't fair kind mm-hmm. of stuff anymore. Yes. I would agree with that. Uh, the, some of those teams just real quick uh, teams that are kind of on the bubble South five. You have Southern's currently 16th. Howell's 15th. Obviously if Southern beat Jackson, they would rock it way up. Howell's got a game against Lacey, so the Rebels win that game. Like, again, it's all the residuals. A lot of stuff has to trickle in, but Howell really in a must-win against Lacey. Um, Red Bank Regional. Red Bank's 1-5, but because right. of the schedule they've played, if Red Bank can beat Manalpin, like, they're probably going to make the playoffs in South 4. And at the same time, Manalpin loses that game. Like, they might be out. So a big one there, especially for RBR, I mean, you're one and five. You can turn around and say, guys, if we win this, we can make the playoffs. So uh, an important one there uh, on Friday night. Um, Ocean's 15. Madawan is 16 in South 3. So those teams looking to just try to pick up wins and hold on to those final spots. Um, South Jersey Group 2. You have Raritans at 16. Monmouth Regional you know, at 17. So if they can beat Pinelands, they might be able to sneak in with a spot there. Um, so definitely some teams that are, you know, again, when you have 16 slots that the uh, 16 teams that make it, you know, 
it's not a it's it's not like you said it's not as dramatic <laughs> in terms of you know who's you don't feel like oh who, man this team was really good and beat a couple top 10 teams and had you know six seven wins and they didn't get in like right. that doesn't really happen like that anymore which mm-hmm. thankfully that's what you want i mean you want the team they did really revise it a couple of years ago to really emphasize strength of schedule yes which you know, I, we, I completely agree with yeah you want to, teams should be incentivized to play a hard schedule not just play the easiest schedule possible so they can coast in the playoffs right and, and as we've seen were, like that doesn't and it was messing up seedings where a team would have six wins against just the weakest schedule ever or seven wins mm-hmm. i'm looking at you mercer county and get like home games or whatever. And like teams would go out and blow their doors off in the first round as like seven seeds. I'll never forget like Chris Chittam on ocean, just running absolutely wild on like some Mercer County team. It was like, they're just tackling all the way back to the bus. Yeah. Like he said, if I went to high school in Mercer County, I'd be New Jersey's all time leading rusher. (laughs) Uh, So bad. They take it way personally out there. I remember when, uh, I think it was Nottingham beat Neptune in the yeah. state finals, the team with Keith Kirkwood and all those guys coached by Mark Ciccatelli. And their coach was like shoving it in everyone's face. Like, I don't want to hear about Mercer County, you know, struggles anymore. The report, I, this is the first thing, I, first time I've ever seen this. The reporters from out in Trenton, like you're supposed to be neutral, right? You're supposed to be like a journalist, like be like objective. They get up and they start just hugging the coaches, like crying. Like hugging the Nottingham coaches, like it was like they won the Super Bowl, and they're supposed to be the writers covering it. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, we got plenty of stories like that. Um, all right, now we, after like put, you know, we got through the high school football stuff. Now we got to talk about the real subject, the main event of the show. Real quick, though, in all honesty, we got to talk about our Jets because that was a. Uh, that was a win I don't think many people saw coming, and that defense rose up and played. That's one of the best games I've ever seen a Jets defense play, all factors included. Um, and before the season, when you assumed Aaron Rodgers was going to be the team's quarterback the whole year, even with him, you said, if we can get through this schedule, like three, four and two, or even three and three, like, man, we're in good shape because it's such a gauntlet. And you, we just did that, you know, Zach Wilson at quarterback, who's playing much better these last two weeks, but it's he been the defense. Stinks, you know? I don't want to dwell. He still stinks. He should be benched, but I don't the want defense to dwell was on that. Yeah. You know, I, cause really the story, like you said, unbelievable. And not only that to do it, no sauce Gardner, no DJ Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Down, got, you know, to turn that team over what four times, three picks mm-hmm. and a fumble. Yeah. Three picks and a fumble recovery. It was, it was incredible. And, you know, you go into the bye. You're feeling great. You have the Giants coming off the bye, a team that's one and five. And like I'm already thinking about the Jets defensive line against that depleted offensive line. And you, you I know there was some Jet fans irked the last couple of years with the defensive line rotation. Like, Kunum should be playing more. Like, what are you doing rotating them? And but now you see when they've assembled this group of 10 guys who they just unleash and all of them can pretty much all of them can rush the passer. They're all like well-rounded and they just keep coming at you at waves. Like, Oh, it's Quinn Williams. It's Bryce Huff. It's John Franklin Myers. Like, Oh my God. It's and then you have Quincy Williams running around like an 
absolute maniac playing like seriously playing like the best linebacker in football right now. Yeah, He's been unbelievable. So, His yeah. whole thing was, Oh, is he a little undersized, but his speed is like next level. He's he like is, a missile. Yeah. And he, he, he made some absolutely fantastic plays. They're fun to watch on defense. They, they haven't had the strongest starts to games, uh, but they really closed exceptionally i like how by the end it was basically like all right zach wilson you're so inept guess what we'll put the ball on like the seven yard line for you to get in we'll get the interception we will run it back inside the 10 and put it on a platter for you and they give it to uh Brees hall who handled it that was weird i felt like the eagles almost let him score on that well I, they totally did and i know there was a lot of well what's he doing he should go down like no the eagles had the two time out. i actually agreed with score and you heard Solid talk about it after the game and in the press conference. It was like, no, like, why? We're going to make them burn timeouts, kick a field goal, and then they only have to kick a field goal to win it. With a kicker who's kicked multiple 60-plus yard field goals in, like, huge moments, and they only have to go, like, 30 yards? Like, no. Score a touchdown. Make them go the whole way against that defense, which they had not done even remotely close to doing at all in the second half. So they I thought from that standpoint. on 40% of his dropbacks. Yeah. That is like against an Eagles offensive line that's supposed to be like the best offensive line in the NFL or right there with like the 49ers and a few others. So mm-hmm. and you're what, right. That that rotation just because guys are fresh in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They're still just getting after people like gangbusters late in the game because there's so many of them. And I, ESPN's Dan Orlovsky did a really good breakdown of the, the interception at the end by Tony Adams and just how the Jets pressure all game created looks where Jalen Hurts started feeling pressure when there was not, there was pressure, but not, not, you know, not the way he felt it as like, there was still a decent pocket on the interception. He threw it from his back foot just because like you're saying pretty much every snap, there was a guy in his lap and that's hard to deal with. What really impressed me too, about the jets defensive line was they, they've not had a lot of success against running quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes ran all over them for some big yards. Like Russell Wilson got out of the pocket. When you're playing man coverage, like that tends to happen, and they play a lot of man just because you have some Gardner and DJ Reed. But in that second half, man, talk about the the, the discipline in their rush lanes. Like Jalen Hurts, they did not let him get out of the pocket. And when he did, you had like Quincy Williams or someone else there ready to to come up and make yeah, a Yeah, Jermaine Johnson was like they would, wouldn't run too far upfield. They'd sit on his outside shoulder. So when he tried to spin, he would spin yeah. right into an oncoming rusher. So, yeah, there was great discipline on that uh, aspect of it. I mean, Zach Wilson is still terrible. That whole game, I was like, he needs to be benched. The defense keeps bailing him out, no, which is great. He's not getting him he's, wins. He's, he's playing much better. The alternatives out there, there are no alternatives. That's the issue. So right. You're he stuck keeps playing it. like this. We'll see what happens. He's definitely been better. I just feel like every game, it's he's about to be like, they got to bench him. And then the defense does something. They go, well, he keeps uh, improving. And it's like, no, he just they just keep covering up for him. But right. I don't care. As long as they're winning, I'll take it. And it was quite the weekend in the batter's household because the Jet game was after Notre Dame cleaned up and basically folded up Caleb Williams's Heisman Trophy ballot and jammed it into the garbage. Yeah. The Jets' defensive performance was incredible. Notre Dame's might have been even better. You know, and their defensive coordinator, Al Golden, Red Bank Catholic grad, dialed up an incredible game plan, and it was executed at an A++ level. They were all over Caleb Williams, harassed him, picked him off multiple times, you know, in the backfield, sacks, you know, hits for loss. 
you know, some big plays on special teams. Like it was, that was an awesome win for Notre Dame after what was definitely a deflating loss to Cincinnati. The week before Louisville. So, uh, Louisville. That's what I meant. Louisville. So which didn't yeah, look great after Louisville got win. pasted by a one win Pittsburgh team a week. Didn't later. really help. Uh, yeah, but every once in a while, Pitt fires up the super weapon. What are you going to do, you know? And I, the crazy part is USC still has, like, Oregon, Washington. Well, yeah. Like, they got a, a gaunt. Like, they could be, like, 8-4 and four after yeah. starting 6-0. Oh. Well, when you um, played zero defense, that's what happens. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame was running all over them by the end. And, and uh, but now that – who was that safety? What is it? Xavier Watts? Xavier Watts. It's the Xavier Watts game. He had, like, two picks, a fumble return, touchdown. It was, like, unbelievable. Yeah, he was yeah. incredible. He and, was incredible. again, some uh, two short conference alums. You know, Clarence Lewis played at Modern Day Prep, uh, is a starting corner for them. And Kevin Bauman is one of their uh, backup tight ends, Red Bank Catholic grad. So there's a lot of Jersey flavor, too. Audrick Estermay, St. Joe's Montville. Howard Cross, the third. Uh, is he Burton Catholic? I don't like, I don't want to say that wrong and upset anybody, but Howard Cross, the third. Also, obviously, his dad, the legendary Giants player. So a lot of Jersey flavor on Notre Dame. They always recruit the Garden State really well. And uh, yeah, that, that was an awesome one. It was the rare, like, not just like both of like my college and NFL teams win, but like Resounding huge games in like awesome fashion. Yes. And they both have buys this week. Like, so it's soak it in for an extra seven days. Yes. It was a sweat free Northwestern weekend with the buy. So <laughs> Gotta we'll, love We'll be back at it next week against Nebraska. God knows what will even happen, but. You know, it's Nebraska, Ten, so any everything is on the table. It's a bummer because these are the last years of like the uh, the Big Ten West where you can sneak yeah. into the Big Ten title game. Soon they're going to get rid of divisions, so it'll just be Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State like trading off being in the Big Ten championship game every year. Well, as we end it always with our random, usually just Jets talk. It's not that random, but. We'll end it right there. Uh, an exciting week of games coming up, certainly led by the clash between Red Bank Catholic and Tom's River North. As always, head to shoresportsnetwork.com for all of our football coverage. And we'll be back again next week. So thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time.